Every single principle or aspect that I will cover today is a very broad topic. But I think you'll manage. You'll start to study it on your own. Of course, it will be hard for those who have no personal drive. So, we will talk about external and internal alchemy. Let's start with external alchemy. What does this mean? We are talking about the transformation of our bodies. We are talking about opportunities for those who cling to this physical life, for those who want to remain in this body for a long time. We'll cover two aspects, external alchemy in this case. I'll repeat what I mean by external alchemy. This is an opportunity to cleanse the body. The thing is, the space in which we are, I don't want to say anything bad about it because everything is a manifestation from above. However, the space in which we are in requires a hefty transformation. It needs to be changed dramatically. But we are influenced by certain laws. These laws govern our lives. To reach your goal, the highest joy, the sublime qualities of the soul, transformations, an opportunity to be present here and now, to have all possibilities, meaning to gain external and internal wellness, you have to overcome many obstacles. These obstacles may relate to our social life, natural phenomena, our inner inadequate, partially inadequate, or adequate attitude to our aspect of being, to our life. In other words, our social life requires a lot of attention. We can't abandon this world because we have come here, and our task is to learn to coexist in this world. People make their first mistake in their attitude to this world when they say, to practice spirituality, I'll have to give up my material pursuits. But I can't give up material pursuits because I need to make a living. Thus, I can't practice spirituality as I have to earn money. This is the simplest belief of those who don't want to think about how to improve their life in a single lifetime. You know that we come to Earth many times, tens of thousands of incarnations. This is something we can discuss for a long time and it's no secret that people must incarnate to implement all the programs set up for them. These programs are completely the same. As the world changes, we change the way we dress and the cars we drive, but not our mindset. Because we always follow the principle, me, mine, for me. I love myself, I am the best, I must survive. All these programs work perfectly. This relates to our mental aspect of the external alchemy. This is what I'm talking about. It means that we need to change our attitude to this life. Unless we change our attitude to life and find the right way to merge social and spiritual aspects, it will be hard for us to act. Because you will be trapped in a circle. You practice, then you rush to the outside world to implement your external programs while dreaming about meditating again or practicing other techniques or methods. External alchemy requires us to establish at least the simplest routine. Now we are going to talk about our body. 
When talking about our body or transformation of the body, I mean that we have not only a physical body, we have an etheric, astral, mental and causal bodies, and the spiritual body from which everything arises. We evolved from the spiritual plane, from this spiritual aspect, but we have forgotten this, and now we live in a human body and have a common mindset that clings to the physical existence. To transform our body, we need to take control of our etheric plane, at the least. The etheric plane includes everything related to our bioenergies. This is why we need to follow at least the simplest routine. Why? Because from 9 p.m. to midnight, even from 8 p.m. to midnight, is the time when our brain and our neurons recover. This is an excellent time to meditate. If a person lives their usual life and forgets who they really are during this period of time, they waste their life force energy. From 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. is the recovery time for individual brain structures responsible for our transformation and formation of blood cells. If a person's blood doesn't renew, and it renews at this very time if a person is sleeping, it's also very important to switch off the light. It should be dark. Normally, people should be asleep at this time, because it's the time for all living beings to fall asleep and wake up at dawn. But our society is quite different. We are offered absolutely different means of survival. Not even offered, but rather imposed. This is how the system functions. Consequently, it's difficult for us to follow our routine at this time. If you have absolutely no opportunity to do so, you can compensate for it through spiritual practice. Preferably, you should do something during this time, even for just half an hour. For example, you could practice pranayamas that cleanse your body, build up your energy system and etheric field, and make your aura denser, stronger and more elastic. This will help you avoid the influence of information and energies on your body temple. Thus, pay more attention to sadhana, or spiritual practice. In our Kriya practice, I teach techniques for body energization. For example, seated energization or the 42 energizing Kriyas that transform this body. By this I mean that we perform an action on the physical plane that works on the etheric plane. These two bodies are very close, they are located next to each other. When we work with our energy to transform our etheric body, this promptly affects our physical plane, transforming our body and making it stronger. This also includes the correct breathing technique. There is an important point, how we sleep, how we treat ourselves. This is the mental plane, the world of thought that we should take control of. How we eat, our diet, we will discuss it soon. And how we breathe. Once again, sleep, diet, mental plane, and breathing. There is also a fifth aspect, transformation of sexual energy. This is a very important point. If you have a partner, it'll take both of you to transform it. We have special knowledge that will help. 
If you don't have a partner, you'll need to transform this energy. Because if you waste this energy, your body will wither fast. If we talk about the fact that a person does not sleep enough, and sleep should be of high quality, often we don't sleep even after falling asleep. There is a whirlwind of thoughts in our mind, the body remains tense, and we don't completely relax. One needs to attain at least a half-relaxed state. If a person's diet is poor or not healthy enough, if they lack the basic micronutrients, at least those required to sustain their body. If they're constantly worried and stressed out, what possible alchemy can there be? I want you to understand that it's not impossible. It's quite possible. You can choose an external aspect of alchemy, such as I think correctly or I talk correctly. This is the master thought, master word, and master deed. Choose an aspect and work on it. Whatever I do, I do it consciously. I'm aware of what I'm doing. It means I hold my goal in mind while performing an action. My life must be organized so that I can reach my goal in one lifetime, even in a short amount of time if my practice is intense. The first thing to realize is that you are not the body. This is very important. The principle, I am not the body, doesn't mean that you live this life and treat your body and your existence half-heartedly. This principle means that you are the sublime spiritual power, the energy that shapes this body. Once you realize this, your attitude will change. I usually talk about this at the seminar. These are aspects of external alchemy. Now the second important point. You need to relax before you sleep. Yoga Nidra or Shavasana will help you here. The same thing we do in yoga, but now we do it before falling asleep. We learn to relax our body. This is a very important point. Shavasana, or corpse pose, is described in detail in books on yoga. Be sure not to jump out of the bed as soon as you open your eyes, even if you are late. It makes no sense to rush if you are late anyway. Therefore, stay in bed and perform Shavasana. What's interesting is if in the morning, I'm jumping ahead, so I'll have to give you the information in portions. I'll warn you now that there will be no specific leitmotif. Why? Because I'm giving you a lot of information that you'll need to assimilate. When you wake up in the morning, you'll immediately boost your daily energy potential if you feel your body thoroughly, and if you send currents to all your body parts. When people get up with pillow creases still in their face, when they stumble to their feet because their body has grown stiff overnight, say, if they slept too long and can't mentally send the currents to different parts of the body, their energy won't be aligned properly. And if the energy isn't aligned, the energy information plane of your external aspect, that is, your life's body, your life, will respond in the same way. Thus, you'll destroy your energy. You'll destroy the energy or the space that you created. Therefore, it will be harder for your brain to work, and it will have to expend more energy. Strange as it may seem, when you get up without having relaxed, without having aligned your corporeal energy, your muscles will be tense. When your muscles are tense, you waste energy. When you waste energy, you shorten your lifespan. It becomes shorter and more difficult. Am I making myself clear? 
Our task is to learn to align the energy. For this, you should hold your spine straight. Therefore, when we hold our spine straight, our energy starts to build up slowly and evenly. But the best aspect of your existence is your mental power, your beliefs. First of all, you take control of your proper thinking. This is followed by proper breathing. Next, your diet should include certain herbs, potions, additives, and supplements. We'll discuss this too, and everything related to it. External alchemy requires the home we are in to be clean. This is the external house in which we live, and the internal body temple, or home. The cleanliness of home starts with pure thinking, pure breathing, and a healthy diet. This is a very important point. Until we take control of these aspects, at the least, it'll be very hard for us to progress, and life will be hard altogether. If you need to realize certain interests, if you are striving to reach a certain goal, you need to learn to concentrate the energy in the spine even more. To concentrate the energy and make proper use of your mind, which you were given to realize your potential, use this body temple. So, external alchemy is an aspect where we use correct thinking, breathing, diet, and sleep, and transform our sexual energy into a sublime spiritual quality. It's worth talking about, but perhaps not today. This will take time. You just need to understand that these five principles are very important for us. I'd like to pay more attention to body relaxation and tension. The 42 energizing exercises that we do in Kriya are very beneficial for transforming our body into one charged with more energy. It means that our etheric field is built up due to powerful energization. They are quite simple to learn. There are some long-term practitioners present here. From the moment they started to practice regularly, they have noted certain changes in the body. The body will transform over time. How? Due to the cleansing of our energy potential, information potential and physically manifested energy potential. You cleanse your lymph, open your channels and nourish the body. The 42 energizing practices that we teach awaken the brain and create interhemispheric connections very quickly and intensely. If we don't work with our brain, we get old. People who work with their brain haphazardly, who just respond to the external world, just listen, just watch, but don't train their brain, get old very fast. If they don't exercise this muscle, their brain doesn't function properly and doesn't provide feedback. If the brain is not connected to the body parts, it sleeps. It responds only to what is necessary. We don't need much to think. Thoughts come and go by themselves. In fact, they aren't our product. It's information that enters and leaves. Neither our knowledge nor any action is required for this. No one can simply switch off their mind. None of the people here. It would be good, simply switching off your mind. What for? At least to learn to feel who you really are. 
All of these are aspects of alchemy. We can't learn to concentrate if we don't take a mental pause, even for a few seconds. It's important to learn not to think or to concentrate your thoughts on one idea and let your consciousness remain concentrated on this idea for some time. One needs power to master it. We can gain this power and replenish our life force through the proper thinking, diet and breathing. This includes pranayamas. I'll expand on this in a minute. Through healthy sleep, because we need to sleep, people who meditate can stay awake. People who know how to meditate can stay awake or have very little sleep or pretend to be sleeping so as not to disturb others. They remain in this state. It would be the right thing to do. But don't say that people who like to remain in a horizontal position are meditating. Meditation is a state beyond the ego, personality and mind. It's a state that first lets us discover ourselves, then make friends with ourselves, and finally become our real selves and go even further into the higher spheres of ourselves, of our self-awareness. External alchemy is a process of preparing for internal alchemy. It doesn't happen very fast, but it doesn't take too long either. Considerable transformation of the body requires one and a half to three years of regular practice. Processes go very fast these days. We are running out of time very quickly. We already have 16 hours in a day instead of 24. I'm saying how it really is. But you can stretch this time by entering a state of being present here and now if you practice self-awareness. The first thing you need is the right mindset, the right attitude to yourself and high concentration on the spine. Once you develop a habit of concentrating on your spine, your energy will follow your attention. Therefore, centralizing this energy in the spine will enable spiritual and sadhana practitioners to distribute this energy to different parts of the body. And your body won't get old so fast. The process of aging will slow down. Now let's talk about breathing. I repeat, we breathe in accord with our mental power. We breathe in accord with our unique spiritual energy. Breathing is pre-programmed in humans. In ancient times, humans and their spiritual leaders breathed a bit differently. Now we breathe very actively. This is because we have a lot of poisons, stress and tension accumulated in our bodies. Many things we must get rid of. When we breathe in and out, we release a certain amount of energy. Through each breath we attract the prana life force and send it to where it is most needed to detoxify the body. Through breathing, we are freed from informational, physical and energetic slag. 
Those who breathe fast live less. If we are speaking of immortality and body alchemy, we need to learn to slow down our breath, to breathe less than usual. On average, an ordinary person takes 20 to 25 breaths per minute. Some people take 30 breaths. They don't notice it. Their breathing is shallow. Every breath shortens our existence. Because ojas, the vital force given to us from above, gradually runs out. An important point to consider. We must prepare our body so that our breathing stops being shallow and uncontrolled, while doing it naturally and without violence. It can be shallow, but only if this process is under your control. The number of breaths per minute must be reduced to a minimum. It's possible. Speaking about body alchemy, we must learn not to breathe or to breathe very slowly. When we do pranayamas, these are special methods of energy retention. We use breathing. Pranayamas are not connected to, and do not depend on, breathing. A pranayama is not an exercise where we breathe or we don't. A pranayama is the regulation and acceptance of the energy quality. Breathing may be absent, because often, when you perform a true pranayama, you stop breathing and attain a state of immortality, at least for a while. Breathing is life. The ability to breathe was given to us from above, so we could absorb prana. Prana always brings astral, etheric, and physically manifested elements. According to the law, when we suspend our breath, it means we have a lot of prana and don't need to breathe. This is an aspect of pranayama manifested as complete acceptance of everything that is happening, everything given to us from above. At this moment, we can either breathe more slowly or suspend the breath altogether. How do we take control of our breathing? For this, we need to develop the right mindset, breathing control, perform specific practices, and adopt a healthy diet. Poor sleep deprives us of prana. During sleep, our energy body, or prana, the one in immediate contact with our physical body, detaches and moves 40 to 50 centimeters away from us. So we actually lose this energy. When we are awake, when we concentrate, practice, perform techniques, focus on the vessel of transcendental power, on the spine, we retain this energy within. The energy does not dissipate. In this way, we do not lose strength. If people live without awareness, if they think however they want, or let their thoughts flow freely, if it's not clear what path they follow and what happens inside their mind, they lose energy, experience stress, and start to breathe faster. 
There are special techniques that help replenish ojas, the life force that was given to us from above. First of all, one needs to understand what it is and how it works. When we breathe in, we create a sort of bubble. We inflate this bubble. Figuratively speaking, the surface of the bubble is oxygen, with prana contained inside. An ordinary person thinks that they inhale oxygen, but this is not the case. Because in addition to oxygen, we inhale a lot of other elements. To say nothing of toxic smoke or carbon monoxide produced by cars. A lot of elements. This is also part of our diet, an unhealthy part. When we breathe in, we receive prana. This prana carries special elements that form our bodies. If a person stops breathing by force of circumstances, they die. An average person. Why? Because they don't get enough energy. They don't get enough elements to sustain their life. This is the life force. Oxygen takes a back seat here. But people who perform pranayamas and align their energy so that all their energy channels open, and for this we need to practice and master these methods, such people don't need to take as many breaths. I'm talking about slowing down our breathing. An average person takes 20 or more breaths per minute. You can naturally take as few as 10 to 12 breaths per minute, and then reduce it even more to only several breaths per minute. It will become your natural state. It won't cause you any discomfort, because it will be natural for you. You can reach this level within one and a half to three years, depending on how intensely you practice. I think you know that our body replaces all its cells every seven years. Have you heard this? If you maintain the proper mindset, proper diet and proper breathing for seven years, you have the potential to transform your body. Even if you don't look as young as you want right away, because it requires concentration. Another thing is when you want to look very young and preserve this youth. This is also possible. For a start, one needs to learn to control the aspects I've mentioned. You need to develop the right attitude to yourself and to your life, as well as complete acceptance, which is achieved through practice, spiritual practice, a healthy diet, proper breathing, and sleep. Is everything clear about breathing? The faster we breathe, the sooner we die. Because every person is given a certain amount of breaths from the moment they are born. We breathe in for the first time at birth, and we breathe out for the last time when life ends. We take several billion breaths. An average person takes 21,600 breaths per day. Per day, this is a rough estimate. But in today's world, a person under stress tends to breathe much faster. An ordinary person who leads a normal life and feels relatively well takes 21,600 breaths on average. It's about upholding the Soham principle. So, in Sanskrit means that, the higher, the source of life. Ham means I. Ham means I. 
The Soham principle means one breath in and one breath out. They even sound similar when we breathe. So, hum. This is a mantra. This is very important to understand. If a person has no connection with the higher, they cannot live. All of us have a connection with the higher. I'm not talking about the God you know or have heard of. I'm talking about the true nature from which our body emerged. These are inseparable aspects. It doesn't mean that the soul enters and brings the body into existence, that the soul enters and we live, like you get into a tank or a car and then get out. It's not like that. The entire body structure is made of energy. This energy is of a more subtle nature, even more subtle nature up to the subtlest one that people call God. That supreme transcendental power where the power of the Spirit has condensed and become a physical body. The body is directly connected to it. So before attempting to transform your physical plane, you need to transform your mental plane. The mental plane is a tool that helps us establish connections between the spiritual and the physical. If your mind is corrupted, it will be hard for you to accomplish anything. So start by detoxing your mind. For this, you need to switch to the right diet and breathe correctly. Sounds like hypnosis, doesn't it? Breathe correctly, develop the right mindset, lead the right lifestyle, and sleep well. Go to bed and get up early. Adhere to a healthy diet. Not a strict one if you struggle to do so, but a healthy diet. Maintain a blood pH between 7.3 and 7.4. Increased blood acidity causes many diseases, and in this case, it's hard to discuss alchemy. Acidic blood can lead to malignancies. Improper food causes cancer. Here we naturally segue to proper nutrition. It will be difficult for us unless we take it under control. Proper food is food that brings us joy, both physically and mentally. It's food that gives us strength, that doesn't deprive us of energy. Dead food draws energy from us. Food left in the fridge overnight draws energy from us. You might wonder how to eat healthy. It seems impossible in today's world. In fact, everything is possible. One can reach a level of not eating at all. One can eat and be able to digest it all. If you receive enough energy through transformation, pranayama, and certain sadhanas, you can even transform food you've consumed that wasn't very good. You can convert it into light. For this, you need to use psychic energy. In any case, your diet must be healthy and of good quality. This is why I recommend eating only fruit and drinking herbal infusions in teas before lunch. I'll make it clear from the outset. You can have a proper lunch. I advocate vegetarianism, of course. And dinner. You can eat whatever you like, but in small portions and not very late in the day, so your body can digest this food before you go to bed. If you go to bed right after a meal, the food stagnates in a digestive tract and becomes a toxin in your body. It rots. You need to move more between meals. You need to level up your body. When I say level up, I mean boosting your energy. It doesn't mean you should go to the gym and bulk up. 
It's fine if you enjoy it. I advise you to energize your body. Speaking of what your diet should be like, I'll reiterate that every type of food contains a certain energy. Follow a sattvic diet. There are three types of diet. The masic diet is when you eat stale food, in crude terms. Rajasic diet activates your mind. For example, fried or heavily peppered food activates the mind to a certain degree. But the mind is restless, and consequently, you start to breathe faster. Sattvic food calms and balances your mind. You can be active. It doesn't mean you are calm and don't want to do anything. You can be active while your mind is calm. You can be very active while your mind is still calm. You are aware of this process. You can even become angry, yet you remain calm. This diet will help you gradually achieve balance. There are other special methods that we know or have heard of. For instance, certain aspects of Ayurveda medicine that lets… It is a life science, a very ancient medical science described in the Vedas. It helps people reach a level of body purification, detoxification, and cell transformation. Because we can and should use the micronutrients and herbs given to us from above, and that we still know very little about, unfortunately people can't even see them. From time to time we should make use of these herbs, these aspects naturally available to us in order to sustain and nurture the body. When we breathe, not only do we get rid of toxins and slag, we also lose the prana life force. If you follow a healthy diet, if your meals are properly cooked, if you don't eat much fried food, if you eat as little plastic as possible, by which I mean genetically engineered food, if the food you choose is more or less normal, even if you eat only buckwheat porridge, it's much better than a serving of junk food that I don't know how our liver copes with. For this, one should pump the bellows. In earlier times, when a blacksmith was forging a sword, he beat it with a hammer to soften the metal. He melted it. It meant that the fire had to be hotter. But when a fire burns brighter, coal is used up faster, and the life force leaves us very quickly. The coal is the aspect of life, and a person loses life. The coal burns faster because we have to pump the bellows. A person breathes actively to get rid of toxins, slags, stress, etc. They get old and quickly leave this body. Plus everything else. That's why our task is to follow a healthy diet and control this aspect of breathing. If your body contains fewer toxins and has been cleansed, you don't need to breathe so rapidly and actively. You will live at a slower pace, lead a quiet life and feel a sense of well-being. 
Because the stress we constantly radiate will come back to us like a boomerang at least tenfold. All negative thoughts, tensions, aggression, everything that rises up from the mental plane is caused by toxins inside our body. It's only natural for it to come back. To take control of this aspect again, we need to follow a healthy diet. I believe it's better not to eat at all than to eat something bad. In the context of body alchemy, imagine you come home and you're very hungry, but there are only really unhealthy foods in your fridge. An ordinary person, mind or ego would say, okay, no problem, everyone eats this, nothing bad will happen. It all builds up though. It's very difficult to detox the body. It's very difficult to rid the body of plastic cheese. The label reads cheese and we believe it, but we don't really know what it is. No one checked the chemical composition of the products for sale now, except for regulators that ring the alarm and warn us not to eat dairy products, cheese, cottage cheese, etc. You can see it on TV. These products contain many elements that are harmful to us. What should we do? We have vegetables, we have fruit. This is our first choice. We have water and we can structure it at home. This is an important point. We can take as little as 100 milliliters of structured water and structure an entire barrel of water. Imagine that you have a big tank of water. You can use 100 milliliters of structured water to further structure 60 liters of water, to modify it. This is a very good opportunity to drink real water. Prepare a little melt water and pour it in a water tank so you have good water to drink at least. Of course, the structure will become disrupted over time, but you can make it again. Remember that up to 80% of the human body is water. And if you consciously work with your spirit and energy, you will alter your water. This is done using special spells and mantras. When I say spells, I mean the principle of Western alchemy. In its essence, a spell is something like self-induced hypnosis. Let's call it this way. I don't really like this term, but we'll use it. Self-induced hypnosis is allowed, but hypnosis on its own is harmful. When you go to a hypnotist, you inflict a karmic punishment. That's not good. But self-induced hypnosis is a good thing, because it affects your subconscious mind. If you use spells, for instance, you could say, I feel young, I feel empowered. Every part of my body is being transformed. If you believe in it, if you start working with it, it will have a powerful effect. Finally, when it reaches your subconscious mind, it will start to work from there. Because unfortunately, our entire life is shaped by our subconscious. We like to think and to dream about something, but life unfolds according to its own principles. It follows the law of karma, plus radiations that come from our subconscious mind. These radiations shape our being. If we are fearful, this fear generates a certain event in our life. We work on it here. We need to reprogram our subconscious mind.
It's not as easy as it may seem, and this is why people visit psychologists and kinesiologists. We offer techniques for energization and transformation through spiritual Kriya practice because it works fast and is very effective. Of course, if you urgently need to remove a splinter, you can go to a psychologist. If they are a good specialist, they will help you. But essentially, this is your personal challenge. So you can use spells, you can use mantras that effectively structure the body. This is what we're talking about. Accordingly, if you are continuously vibrating, your body starts to transform and acquire the attributes relating to an aspect of a divinity, if you worship one or mantra. You acquire the characteristics or qualities that this mantra or spell transmits to you. Or the affirmation. I call it a spell that feels close to you at this moment. The simplest and most effective way is to say, I am healthy and I wish every living being to be healthy. It's the simplest one. By the way, do you remember Porfiry Ivanov, an old man? He always recommended wishing health to everyone else, wishing health to the whole world. There is a very high-level Vedic mantra, Samasta Loka Sukhino Bhavantu, which means, may all the worlds be happy. If you always radiate positive energy, your subconscious mind will finally start working. In this context, you cleanse your mind through practice and proper nutrition. I'm still talking about external alchemy. You should adopt it as your normal way of life. There is absolutely nothing difficult. I talk a lot, and it may seem like an abundance of information, but there are only five aspects – good sleep, transformation of your sexual energy, for which you need to practice for at least 15 to 20 minutes. All of this is possible through yoga techniques, plus a healthy diet. Don't eat what harms you. Just don't. Stay hungry most of the time. If you remain half-starved, you will live for a long time. I mean it. Food isn't going anywhere. If you are hungry, don't tear into food. Have you noticed how cats eat? They may be very, very hungry, but they discreetly approach their bowl, smell the food, look right and left, and only then start to eat. They do it quite delicately, in spite of being hungry. Maybe a little faster than usual. And what about dogs? When they're hungry, they are ready to gobble up the food together with the bowl. Their attitudes to meals are different. But we are neither cats nor dogs. We can always stop and say, right, cosmic nutrition, cosmic energy and spiritual power sustain my life. This is the food I've been given. I'm very hungry. However, it's not really me, but my body that is hungry. This is self-awareness. You constantly ask yourself whether you need to eat what you've been given. Your mind prompts you, yes, sure, hurry up. But in reality, you are neither the body nor the mind. You can say, stop, it's up to me to decide whether I eat this or not. This is healthy food, it's sattvic. Nonetheless, I am the one who decides whether I need to eat it or not. This is a very important point, make it your habit to be aware. When you are sleepy and your head starts to drop, you need to do something about it. So you say, I'm going to bed and fall asleep. In the moment of transitioning to sleep, you allow your body to sleep because you are not the body. 
This is a very important point. When you wake up, you open your eyes or keep them closed, and you don't immediately get up, but you say to yourself, I need to switch on my body. My body temple must be prepared for this life, for this day. I start this day consciously. These aspects are connected with your body alchemy. If you fail to do that, you will live by force of habit, mechanically. For those who live mechanically, it is very difficult to take energy under control, because this way of life deprives us of our life force. If you breathe while forgetting who you really are, life will slip away very quickly. When you are consciously in control of your breath, inhaling and exhaling, you always have the option to avoid an action that could cause trouble. When you concentrate on your spine again and again, you become more aware. This is a goal of every human being. Focus on the spine and be aware. By doing this, you'll be able to avoid actions that could lead to undesirable events. For example, people in Russia sit on suitcases before going on a journey. We sit down for several moments. What for? We have lost much knowledge. This is actually an aspect of magic. The magic of transformation of our journey. We've simply lost the knowledge of why we do it. We do it now for form's sake. At least we still do it. But what is this tradition actually meant for? When we go on a journey, we should sit down and realize ourselves, activate the right nostril, and take a step with the right foot. It's an important moment. The first step. It's not a superstition. These are mechanisms that build up our energy. It's why we have ceremonial magic, which is referred to as sadhanas in yoga. These are ceremonies, certain actions that we call kriya, conscious actions that form our energy field. Our energy field doesn't merely exist around us, it shapes our life. This is why I often say that we aren't shaped by our body, but our life constitutes as our body. Our life shapes our body. Our soul shapes our body. Our soul shapes our countenance. Yes, we should have a countenance. I don't want to use swear words, but at least a face. We should have a countenance. Every person who practices spirituality or strives for it changes for the better. But if a person eats absolutely everything, you might have noticed those who live in a human body, but behave somewhat animalistically, lose their image and even change their appearance. But as soon as such people begin to take this under control, they begin to alter. Their magnetism increases. So, external alchemy is based on the principles I have been talking about. Pay close attention to how you sleep. If you don't know how to meditate, go to bed at least two to three hours earlier. Then, say, at 2 a.m., you get up and do whatever you want if you have this opportunity. But have a good sleep from 9 to 10 p.m. until 1 a.m. Sleep in a dark room. 
This is very important for your pineal gland function. The hormones our body produces to sustain long life and youth are naturally replenished at this time. Unfortunately, people tend to watch TV or sit at the computer or whatnot during these hours. If you're in control of your prana life force, it's not necessary for you to do this. It's not necessary for you to go to bed. You will still lose prana in this case, but to a lesser degree. Taoist practices, which are a continuation of Kriya Siddhas, offer many methods for opening energy channels. Some of you may be interested in Chinese traditions. I call them Chinese for your benefit. But, in reality, they do not originate from China. At the time, the Chinese adopted or preserved these traditions just like Hindus did. This knowledge was given from above. These traditions offer practical ways for opening energy channels and sustaining the life force. But in yoga, this knowledge is more global and fundamental. If we compare these branches, we'll see that yoga is a seed. Taoist practices are perhaps the roots and tree, while the other practices are the fruit and flowers. The seed is crucial because it's the source of everything else. Yoga is the seed. Taoist practices offer a method of energy transformation and conversion to sustain our life. There are many longest living people in China and India. I'm talking about masters with an enormous amount of energy that they make a good use of in their lives. For healing, for transformation, for increasing longevity. We received this knowledge from India, and it inherited this knowledge from the North. Life was different then. There were no Himalayas yet. They began to form later. This is the backstory. If we are speaking of Ayurveda, it is an ancient knowledge we've preserved, ancient sources that we are talking about. This knowledge arose a long, long time ago, but we saved it. The immortal Siddhas, for instance, Bogar or Boganatar, Agastya, whose real name is Agastyar, Tirumular, and many others. There are 18 famous Siddhas who left us their works. There are also 84 Mahasiddhas who came to earth to spread their knowledge. This is the knowledge we are talking about. These Kriyasiddhas brought the knowledge you know as Tao or Taoism to China. Boganatar left us many works that describe external and internal alchemy and transformation. These works are still available to us. They were adapted and given to us, at least in Kriya Yoga, in a rather universal way. 
However, we still need to pay close attention to what we eat. Of course, Kriya practitioners can transform their body by overcoming all the challenges of the external world that affect their body, encountering the effects of an unhealthy diet through Kriya practice itself. But it will require much more time than if you take control over all these aspects and follow the basic rules of the game of life. Those who perform sadhanas will reach their goals much faster. We need to transform energy. For this, we need to accumulate this energy in our vital part of our body, our lower body. This is where Muladhara, Swadhisthana and Manipura chakras are located. Do you know what they are? Have you heard of them? These are three energy centers. This is called the Lower Dantian in Chinese culture which means a sea of energy. It unites the three chakras. This energy accumulates in the vital, lower part of the body. Then it is getting transformed, and by transforming itself, rises up consciously. It takes practice to make it happen. You should practice either yoga or Taoism. When we accumulate energy in the lower body, we increase our life force. People feel like they are getting stronger. They need less sleep and they want to talk more because they have a lot of energy. They say, today I did well, I want, I need to do something. Your mind will always push you towards the outside world. Of course, if you need to work, you can work. By the way, it will require less of your energy. However, a wise man won't waste this energy on more talking or more doing. They will continue to accumulate this energy to transform it into a more subtle substance. Imagine that the lower part of the energy is red, then it turns into yellow, then into bright yellow, and finally into pure white light. This is a more subtle sphere. This was just an example. When you raise this energy to your head, the head doesn't perceive the lower part of the energy as it is. It perceives the energy that was transformed into the sublime and subtle energy. Then your brain gets a lot of power. Interestingly enough, we use the 42 Kriyas for this. These actions may seem simple, but in fact, they effectively stimulate the activity of our neurons. And when the neurons awaken, these connections become stronger. Thus, we get an opportunity to reach a high level of self-awareness. We have energy for doing what we need to do, and we have the desire to do it. Again, our mind directs this desire to the outside world. People then discover their creative talents and superpowers. Some become healers. But when they heal others, they spend their energy. Of course, you can partly pay this tribute to the world in which you live. You can talk and sing beautifully, create things, paint and whatnot. But don't forget that you need this energy to heal yourself, first of all. Because you start this journey with transforming your body. When your body starts to vibrate at a higher level and you perceive energy at a higher level, you can spend more energy. Your conductivity will also be high. Therefore, you'll be able to absorb more energy. To absorb power, you need to develop the right attitude to life and to yourself. To absorb power, you need to follow a healthy diet in the outside world, control your breath and seek ways to avoid wasting energy. And, of course, to perform spiritual practices that alter you day after day.
Then you can move on to internal alchemy. Internal alchemy is related to the astral levels of your existence. This level is beyond everything. A person can't control it in an ordinary state of mind. Internal alchemy is related to sublime transformations of energy into higher quality energies. When you do all the internal work and accumulate all the energy in the vital center, you have the so-called red thread. In yoga, we call it Sushumna Dvar. This is the central thread, the central column of energy, transcendental energy, which contains a great number of internal channels. Imagine a telescopic antenna. Its component parts extend one from the other, up to the smallest one. All these channels are connected to your consciousness. An interesting thing is that they work by themselves, but it happens unconsciously. Meanwhile, we always expend energy. We receive it from above and we waste it. Because we haven't developed a high degree of concentration, we haven't transformed, we have no opportunities. Potentially we are capable of it, but not in an ordinary state. This is why the human mind is always directed to the outside world. It can't transform this energy. It needs to be expressed outwardly. Sexual energy needs to be expressed outwardly. Because it's easier. It's easier to channel it in this way. This is why humankind developed certain dogmas over time. Build a house, start a family, have children, plant a tree and die. At this point, life ends. I totally disagree with this. We can do all these things. This is what we actually do. There is nothing bad in building a house, having a family and so on. But why die? No sooner had you built a house, no sooner had you made a family, that it's over. This is why we should learn not to die. We have additional transformation techniques that are helpful here. One of our ascetics, a disciple of Babaji, who was his devotee and worshipped this immortal Himalayan saint over many lifetimes, is Leonard Orr. He wrote a good book. You might find it interesting when the time is right. It was published about 30 years ago. It's called Breaking the Death Habit. He provides simple but very effective methods for transforming consciousness through earth, fire and water. This knowledge was left by the Siddhas. Bogarnath or Boganantar was later reincarnated as Lao Tzu, the founder of Taoism, who developed the theory of the Tao Te Ching. He used to say that the external and internal aspects of alchemy must be closely related to each other. When we go through an internal transformation and perform special techniques or pranayamas, we must take potions. First of all, ones that detoxify the body. Of course, a pranayama will do its job, but it will take too long to transform the body. The transformation of consciousness will be accomplished faster, but our body is inert and requires attention. Therefore, if we need and want to preserve life and remain in this body for a long time, a good desire, on the whole, not to get sick, not to age so fast, and have plenty of energy. It's important to use special potions and herbs that are naturally available to us to cleanse the body. 
Nowadays, though, we need to check these herbs. It is actually rather difficult to find herbs away from a roadside. Such plants can be gathered in the mountains. It's impossible to tell if herbs sold in pharmacies like plantain are clean. This is why we can compensate for it through spiritual practice and pranayama. In any case, it's better than doing nothing in this respect. If we practice spirituality to make our body more alive and healthy, if we learn to stop or slow down our breathing or reduce the number of breaths to live longer, we need to detox our body. My advice is to cleanse the blood. For this, you can use neem. This plant can be found in the Himalayas, India. There may be a similar product in Russia, but I haven't come across it. I know it as neem. This plant is an effective, natural antibiotic. This is just a piece of advice. We recommend it to many people. It helps us replenish the micronutrients in our blood, which effectively deal with microbes, bacteria, etc. Which means it will clean your blood. Neem is made of tree leaves. In India, neem is a sacred tree because its leaves are very bitter. Mahatma Gandhi used to eat one or two leaves every day to replenish the micronutrients in his body. You can also use Chavanprash. It's a paste that contains about 43 well-balanced micronutrients. It can make your body more balanced and harmonious. Now, let me tell you what a human body really is. A human body is made up of several elements. These elements are earth, water, fire, air, and ether, space ether. Our present bodies are a harmonious combination of these five elements, these five types of energy. They fall into three categories. The water element, or mucus, the fire element, or bile, and the wind element, or everything related to transformative gases. If these three main elements are in balance, we feel quite good in our body. If one of these energies prevails and is out of balance, if one element is manifested to a lesser or greater extent, we feel an imbalance. When your body accumulates a lot of mucus, you notice it very quickly. It feels as if you have a cold. Mucus, together with toxins, dead cells and such, is removed from your body. All this is removed from your body. People say, I am sick or I have a cold. But this is actually not a disease, but cleansing. Diseases as such don't exist. This concept was imposed on us. As a matter of fact, a human being never gets sick. Their body changes. This is the right approach. If we say that the disease exists and assume it does affect one, it's only when a person lies down and cannot move.
it would be hard for them to move. But even in this state, they can get to their feet. Even in this state, they can raise their body. It requires psychic energy and the right attitude to oneself. Of course, it's always better to prevent these states. When our body is more or less balanced, we feel quite good. If we have a fever, what are we usually advised to do? To take fever-reducing medicine. Because the temperature can rise even higher and damage the brain, God forbid. Perhaps it can happen, but it's rare. In fact, humans can endure rather high body temperatures. We can even lower it a little. Neem, which I mentioned earlier, reduces fever. We never gave our child drugs, for example. She took Neem when it was necessary. We also took Neem when we had a fever. Why am I saying all this? What is a fever? It's a time when your body requires more fire. Prana has awakened and is very active. Its job is to remove toxins, slag and informational filth from the body. People say that they are sick, that they have a fever. But one shouldn't reduce fever. One should absorb this energy. If your body aches, we advise you to perform the 42 Kriyas. It will quickly settle the problem. I'll explain for those who don't know. If your body aches, it means you have a lot of prana, but the conductivity of your body is low. Your nerve endings are screaming, and your brain registers it as pain because it receives impulses. If you absorb and accept this energy, if you think of it from a spiritual viewpoint, this will really help to settle this problem. Prana rises when you need to burn off this energy and transform this negative power into a superior quality. Accordingly, you can balance all these processes if you develop the correct mindset and take potions like neem or chawanprash. A few more words about chawanprash. This is a very important point. We have tested it on ourselves over the years and it has shown good results. It has five flavors. They balance the five types of energy or the three main aspects. Mucus, wind and fire, bile, Chuanprash combines five flavors – bitter, sweet, sour, astringent, and spicy. When these five flavors contact your tongue, they form your etheric field. A person should receive these five flavors each day. Our tongue gets information through this taste, plus the micronutrients. This is why people who work on transformation of their body must use the potions that make the body younger. Chuanprash is believed to rejuvenate the body. Of course, toxins and slag can be removed through special massage techniques, the use of special oils, and everything related to this. You see, I have to cover a lot of topics. This is a very broad topic, but we never have enough time. Let's summarize. There is internal and external alchemy. We can approach internal alchemy through the external aspect. It's possible to slow down aging if we adopt the correct mindset. 
control our breathing through pranayama, accept the life force and follow a healthy diet. We should have at least one fasting day. At the bare minimum, it's best to follow a diet all week and then fast for a whole day. It's not really fasting when it's just one day. But okay, let's call it this way. It's good to fast for at least 24 to 36 hours. Sleep well and transform your sexual energy. This is an important point. And don't forget to take potions and herbal infusions. There are a lot of recipes, but I recommend following Vedic and Ayurvedic recipes. That would be very good. Don't apply chemical substances that are harmful to human tissues to your skin. Because they enter the bloodstream through the body, through the pores, you don't always know what kind of substances you're using. I'm talking about shampoos, soap, and so on. It's best to choose natural products or ones you trust. This was an introduction. Now let's move on to related and other questions. I can answer them if you have some. How many times a day should I take Chawanprash? For a start, because the body may begin to cleanse itself, take half a teaspoon and dissolve it in the mouth for a minute or half a minute. This is a very important point. You can take it twice a day. It's individual. It's fine to start with half a teaspoon twice a day. What is better, vegetarianism or veganism? I think it's good to start as a vegetarian and then become a vegan. Because people shouldn't break their structure. If one has lived for many years, imagine your generation, your father, your grandfather and so on. On your mother's or on your father's side, it doesn't matter, you were formed from it. You shouldn't break this in one go. There is something else to consider. Of course, it all depends on how determined you are, on how well you understand it, on how you build your future diet. Imagine that your parents never gave you any harmful products and you followed a healthy diet your whole life. Not a problem. But if you lived an ordinary life and ate regular food for many years, I think it will take you up to three years to become a true vegetarian. And within seven years you can become a vegan. This length of time is enough to avoid breaking your structure. If you practice Kriya, it will take you less time. And, of course, it has to do with your right attitude, with your meditation and prayer. That's how it is. You were talking about the attitude to food, and you said that it's better not to eat at all. What should one do when their natural reflexes are triggered, such as nerve impulses, salivation, etc.? Here is what you should keep in mind. If you experience problems with your body, your mental body, your emotional body, you can let yourself eat. But I was talking about a conscious approach to this aspect. For example, if you are sufficiently self-aware, you understand that something is going on with your body. In any case, you need to understand what's going on. 
This is what you try to do. Even if you don't understand anything, you can let yourself eat without tearing into the food. But if you have decided to follow a proper diet, and you only have harmful products before you, if there is no pure food on the table, you can eat something else. Go and buy it. It's not difficult. Go to a supermarket and buy apples. You could eat apples or prepare buckwheat porridge. It doesn't mean you can't do anything. If you're asking about a schedule, and it has to do with digestion, with bile that is formed in your body, then you need to follow the schedule, but also a healthy diet. There's nothing to it. You need to study how it works. Before shoving something in your mouth, you need to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. You mentioned structured water. Can you tell us more about easy ways to prepare it? Science keeps advancing, right? I get it. There are special appliances. We have a guy here who makes them. We can use them to prepare water as close as possible. Of course, I didn't perform any laboratory tests. In any case, it's much better than tap or still water. Have you tried it? Have you tested it on yourself? Yes, I've tried this water, earlier. Not this device, but others. You can freeze it in your fridge. Melted water is structured. It will remain structured for some time. Am I making myself clear? There are special rules for how to melt it correctly. For example, you should get rid of the top layer of ice, because water impurities are concentrated on the surface. It's easy. There is plenty of information on the internet. You can learn all these things. Speaking about living in dead water, this device is rather useful. It structures water. How do I give neem to kids? It all depends on the age of the child. Some children can't swallow capsules. Neem is available in different forms, capsules, tablets and powder, so it's a bit difficult. You can mix it with honey or water. It all depends on the age of the child. It's hard with very young children. I think we'll have a separate event to discuss this. My wife knows about it all from her own experience. She used it herself and gave it to our child. She can share valuable information about how to correctly use all these Ayurvedic products. Speaking about breathing, does physical exercise shorten our life? It's a common belief that physical exercise makes the body healthier, but when we work out, we breathe faster. Does this mean that physical exercises are harmful? Those who don't move get old and die quickly. Those who apply excess loads on the body also age quickly. It's important to find the right balance. Excess load on the body causes wear and tear. If you do sadhanas or other practices or simply lift weights, you should pay attention to the structure of the human energy channels. If you've ever seen how yogis, martial artists or Kigan masters in the East practice, you might have noticed that their techniques are quite complicated. These are mind and body methods that put a heavy load on the body, yet they grow younger, or age much slower, live longer and don't die. 
There are immortal Taoists, yogis, etc. It all depends on how consciously you perform these actions. For example, if you do squats and control this process, if you focus on certain areas and centers, you receive energy. But if you're simply doing squats or putting a load on your body, you lose energy. Yes, you receive an energy boost, but it won't last long. If on top of that your diet is poor and you go to the gym and punch bags, if you eat a steak and go punch a bag, this will shorten your lifespan. It's important to develop the right perception. It's tradition, it's knowledge that should be applied in practice. We should move. Those who don't move, don't live. Physical exertion is necessary, but you should work out consciously. Your breathing will get faster, but if you remain focused, you can compensate for it with pranayamas, sitting still when all your channels are already open. I would recommend the 42 Kriyas. They are universal. I'm not saying this to bring you back to my teachings again and again. This is a really universal discipline. The load is quite high, but you are focused on the body and, interestingly enough, your breath doesn't quicken. Well, it might increase slightly during certain exercises. There's nothing to it. I have a question about control over sexual energy, its transformation. You've also mentioned Taoism, and I've heard about a book by Mantak Chia. Can you comment on it? There are numerous branches and methods that help us transform sexual energy. If you carefully study ancient Egyptian, Chinese and Indian methods, you'll find much in common between them. The methods are the same, but the approaches are different. We know about a joint practice, an individual practice of transforming this energy. In any case, it is related to your spine and energy centers. You transform this energy and raise it to your head. I'll skip ahead now to explain it. It passes through your two nadis and the third major nadi, Ida, Pingala, and the central nadi, Sushumna. In yoga, we view it as a method of transformation. They are the same in essence just with different names. The Ka energy body, the Qi energy body, or the Shen Qi spiritual body are just different terms used in Chinese and Egyptian cultures. But the methods are essentially the same. I recommend that you take control of this because it's very important. One more thing to note. Conventional medicine states that it's not advisable for a male not to ejaculate. However, alternative medicine has a contrary opinion, which states that sexual energy is transformed, thus enhancing bone tissue, physical condition and brain activity. Conventional medicine appeared about 300 years ago. But ancient medicine and alchemy has been around for thousands of years. We should trust the experience of those who have lived long and seen much. I'm talking about ancient medicine. But I'm not advising you to ignore the knowledge available in modern medicine. You should have the right approach to it. Progressive scientists, normal ones, who really want to help people, have become rather savvy in these matters. We are talking about transformation of this energy. It's not about liquids, 
It's about energy that rises up through special centers and nurtures the brain. That's what I'm talking about. Everything else is just a supplement, a carrier. Our body is a carrier of energy. If we aren't physically strong, there is nothing to support our spiritual energy or energy connected to the etheric body, which is rough, but not physically manifested energy. This is why a person who is physically strong is spiritually strong too. Those whose psychic energy is powerful enough to transform all this, even if they look thin and weak, have a lot of strength. Have you noticed that martial artists are generally skinny? Few are stocky. There are some individuals, of course, yet they are very strong. This indicates that they make use of more subtle energies. This is also due to the transformation of sexual energy. Mantak Chia is a very good master. There are also other masters. He has extensive experience. He works in this direction and transforms this energy. So you can trust his teachings if they feel right to you. You mentioned the three Nadis. Can you tell us a little more about the side channels? What are their properties and functions? In a bit more detail, I'm really interested. Briefly, if possible, of course. There are three main nadis. They correspond to the three spiritual sites or rivers in India. I often use this example. The sacred rivers Ganges, Yamuna and Saraswati. The Ganges and Yamuna are Ida and Pingala, and Saraswati is the underground, invisible, mystic river that really exists. In humans, it is manifested as Shushumna, the central channel. This Nadi plays a crucial role for us in terms of energy, because all energies are channeled down through it to the outside world and nurture our chakras on all planes. Accordingly, these centers are connected to all planes. This is why Ida and Pingala, the lunar and solar channels that link us to the outside world, allow us to live in this life and interact. When we need to switch our attention and enter a meditative state, transforming our energy and entering the inner channel, we should consciously bring these two channels into the central channel and focus our attention within. In this way, we'll meet this mystic aspect or the mystic river, Saraswati. Why did I use this example? In India, there's a place called Prayag, where these three rivers meet. People who come and bathe in this place are believed to attain liberation. This is really the case because this place has accumulated certain power, spiritual power. But if we lack the opportunity to go to India and bathe, it doesn't mean that we can't do it within ourselves. That's why we practice and develop magnetism to bring these channels inside. We bring this energy to the spine, and it naturally comes back. The energy rises up to the head, similar to a vessel being filled. Today, cancer is the second leading cause of death. The leading cause is cardiovascular diseases. This is clear. I'd like to ask you about carcinogenesis. 
Cancer has several causes, chemical carcinogenesis, resulting from exposure to chemical substances that poison our body, viral carcinogenesis, explained by the embryonic theory, where cancer derives from fetal cells, and the polyetiological theory of tumor development, that includes many aspects from which further concepts can be derived. They explain cancer development at the material, cellular level. Can you share with us the Vedic concept of tumor development? This is a very broad and important topic. Sadly, there's a lot of cancer in Russia at the moment. However, there are also many cases when people are deceived. This is important to remember. When a doctor diagnoses cancer, it doesn't necessarily mean that carcinogenesis is taking place. It's not always the case and requires further examination. You need to be really committed to working it out. Going back to this disease, I'd like to say that it isn't a disease. It's the spiritual transformation of a person. You have mentioned a range of possible causes. And I would like to add one more cause – karma. If there are certain changes in the human body, they are inherently related to the position of the planets, to certain disturbances in their spirituality, expressed on the emotional, astral and etheric planes. This is all connected to our astrology. This is karma. We can distinguish between acquired and innate karma. There are several types. When we are given an opportunity to solve this issue, this means that we need to transform our karma. I have witnessed many times how people transform these heavy impacts on their body. When the body is suffering, it means that this essence, a wrong attitude to life and to oneself, aggression towards this world expressed in this way has penetrated very deeply. Separation of one's ego from commonality, a lack of unity, all this leads to oncology. This is our spirituality. But it manifests at the physical level. Of course, when people are in this state, they don't pay attention to other things. The first thing one can do is to balance the blood pH. We have a great opportunity to heal our spiritual field or body via the physical one. An ancient treatise of Hermes Trismegistus reads as follows, as above, so below, on earth, in man. This is a very important point, not only above and on earth, above and below, but in man. It means we can transform it, we must transform it. In any case, we should do everything possible to manifest and counter it. One should reach the level of self-cognition without losing self-control. Generally, people who practice self-awareness don't suffer from cancer. Only those yoga practitioners who are forced to pass away due to karmic law suffer from it. Their karma is heavy. It happens. But even in this case, one can rise high enough and know one's real self. One can approach it and overcome it, even if one doesn't have much time left. Many people in Russia and globally suffer from cancer. 
You were right, but I'll add something else. This is due to poor diet, a disruption of rhythms, exposure to radiation from cell towers that are everywhere. Note that our mobiles and Wi-Fi are sources of powerful radiation. In fact, lower-impact technologies were developed long ago. But they are not brought into our life. What we get are technologies that wreak havoc on the brain. So if you get a chance to reduce the exposure to this radiation and follow a healthy diet, I'd like to pay special attention to water. Today, the main food for those of us who transform through our consciousness or transform ourselves in the changing universe, because we are a part of the universe. It is our whole. The frequency changes too. Water is our main food. We should interact with water. Before drinking it, we should tell it something important that will later become our whole. It's vital to structure water, to use shungite to purify it. Whatever you like, but don't just drink it. By the way, people drink a little water. Tea is not water. Liquids and compotes are not water. We should drink pure water. This is actually a separate topic. Of course, you need to take control of all these aspects. Minimize exposure to radiation and maintain blood pH because acidic blood opens the door to cancer. Maintain the blood pH, if possible. Always start with fruit and pure water, with fruit and green vegetables, and everything else. But I recommend that you minimize, exclude yeast and sugar, limit the amount as much as possible, so the cancer cells starve. Another vital point. Remember it. The greater the gap between meals, I'm not talking about people who have to follow a special diet, because they have problems with their digestive system, but one can treat these problems quite quickly. The greater the time between meals, the less opportunity there is for cancer cells to get nutrients, because they need significantly more nutrients. An ordinary cell doesn't need as much. An ordinary normal cell doesn't need many nutrients. It needs a few, but cancer cells want to gobble up everything. If you don't supply cancer cells with nourishment and four to six hours pass between meals, this is very good. Twelve hours is even better. But not all people can tolerate this. It's much better to eat once a day. Let it be fruit, but it must be a substantial meal. A person must also be active. Such a diet should be adopted gradually. I'm not suggesting that you stop eating everything at once, especially if you are physically active. If you move a lot, you need to eat a lot. This is how we think. But it's the power of the Spirit and not food that sustains our life. In his time, Master Jesus, who was a Kriya master, said that men do not live by bread alone, but by the Holy Spirit. Do you see? Bread is actually dead food. Plus, it contains yeast, leavening agents and more. It leads to cancer. If we eat a lot of bread, I've excluded it from my diet, for example. If push comes to shove, I eat homemade bread. Not because I'm afraid, I just don't need it. I advise you to switch to clean eating, too. If you make bread at home according to a good recipe, putting all your love and energy into it, why not? 
it's possible. But now I'm talking about simple bread. Bread is heavy food. And forget about meat, of course. If we're trying to balance the blood pH to control the acid-base balance, then first of all eat foods that are not cooked. Boiled foods increase acidity levels. Of course, there are other acidic foods, even ordinary products can increase the acidity level. But this is about balance, so we can't exclude acidity altogether. We can't cultivate sattva without cultivating tamas and rajas first. Tamas and rajas are the basis for sattva. One needs to control them. This is why I agree with you now that the new cases are registered more often in Russia now. Hypermarkets lead us in that direction. Foods that are sold there aren't very high quality. What should we do? We should eat our favorite buckwheat porridge, fruit and vegetables to get out of this. Buy vegetables from those who grow them and soak them in water to remove as many harmful elements as possible, and so on. Some have asked about the raw food diet. I'm not a fan of raw food diets. Why? I'll explain. Because it requires a special approach and normal conditions. But the ratio should be 60-70 of raw food and 30-40 of slightly boiled food. Especially in winter. That's something to start with. You mentioned that we have only 16 hours instead of 24 nowadays. What does this mean? How do we perceive this? Processes run faster now. Before, the time spiral was bigger, now it looks more like a comma. Does that make more sense? I'll explain. There is a monastery in the Himalayas where a bowl of time is always lit up. Previously, 30, 50, 100, 200, 300 years ago, monks added oil to that bowl to ensure that the fire never went out and strictly monitored the sun rising and the moon coming up. The fire burned for exactly 24 hours, so they added oil when it started to die down. Then monks noticed that less oil was needed to keep the fire burning for 24 hours. The fire was still burning, but the day ended earlier, much earlier. Nowadays, we have chronometers, we know about planetary rotation, while astrolabes show different values. That's right. I just wanted to say that there are many discrepancies now. The speed increases. The frequency of the Earth is already 50 Hz instead of the normal 7.8 Hz that it always had. It's weird, but it's a fact. It means we are moving to another dimension, another perception. It's not about moving from one point to another. Everything changes, everything transforms, our consciousness changes. In the modern world, it's impossible for us to remain the same people we used to be and to live as we liked it before. This is why there are more and more diseases. By the way, cancer is one of the indicators that a person is clinging to the past. They must learn to accept the present and strive for a better future. 
This is an internal process. We must erase our aggression against this world, this society, dissatisfaction with our social life, and so forth. This is our legacy. We deserved what we have today. If we want to change our life, we should change from within. Yogis say, change yourself and you will change ten people around you. So, start with yourself. What do you think about a blood type diet? I think such refined diets do exist. But I also think that all natural products that are available to us are interlinked in one way or another. This is why I wouldn't follow such a strict diet. I think it's necessary for those who are healing from a particular disease. Maybe it's easier for them this way. It requires a whole scheme. But I also know that many yoga teachers don't eat much, their diet is not very diverse, and they feel fine. Something else happens, it is inner work. In a pure body, the blood pH is balanced. There are about 200 types of diets. Dietitians themselves are unsure. It's all about food services. Does it suit everyone? It's individual. For example, if orange products are harmful for you, based on your astrology spread, you'll know about it. You can learn about it from your astrologist or nutritionist. In this case, you could avoid persimmons, for example. Just put it aside together with red or orange peppers. It won't make any difference to you. I don't think it's very important for the structure of our physical, etheric and astral bodies, which are so big. It's all about micronutrients and energy. All things are medicine and yet all things are poison. If you take poison in small doses, it turns into medicine and vice versa. You can overdose on vitamins. It all depends on your receptivity. This is why you should approach this matter individually. What do you think of other teachings like the Bible, the Quran, and so on? Do you consider them false doctrines? Do you consider your knowledge to be the absolute truth? All teachings that exist on earth do their job. We inherited them from the prophets. There were 124,000 prophets during this long era. All of them taught us the same vital truth. The methods of delivery could be different. Imagine a four-sided pyramid. A pyramid is a way to depict the ascension of humans. This is my answer to your question about what I think of these teachings, the Bible, the Quran, Judaism, Buddhism, and others. Imagine that this pyramid has eight sides. Each of them represents a major religion. There can be four or five of them, it doesn't matter. It's the principle of the thing. The distance is very large at the bottom. Here at the top, the sides come together at one point. The top of the pyramid is what we call the truth. Every person climbs up to this truth from their side. 
It's difficult for people to find common ground at the bottom because one side of the pyramid is very far from the other sides. Imagine that a Muslim person comes up to a Christian person and says, you know, my religion is better than yours. I know it for sure. That's the most important thing. The Christian person replies, no, it's my religion that is true and pure, and so on. They don't understand each other because there's a huge distance between them. There's no unity, but they want to achieve the same goal. As they climb this pyramid over time, experiencing the load of transformation throughout their life, putting a lot of effort into it, they draw closer and start to see each other. The distance becomes even shorter. They no longer have disagreements because they understand a lot more now. Do you understand the idea? On a large scale, there is no difference, because everything is. Religion is the path to God. If it's a right and undistorted religion, of course. Regarding the knowledge that I'm sharing and teaching right now, it has nothing to do with religion. Why? Because yoga is not a religion. Yoga is spiritual knowledge that encompasses religious aspects, medical aspects, as well as science like mathematics, geometry, and others. This is cosmic knowledge. It's only natural that there are no contradictions. The spiritual level of a person's consciousness is determined by their drive towards unity through inner transformation and the acceptance of everything else. There is no difference. This is why people of different confessions can practice yoga, and Kriya Yoga in particular, because they have only one spine, whether they want it or not. They have two energy channels and one central, major channel. The interrelation between Christianity and Islam, and Hinduism as well, can be demonstrated by way of example. Do you need an example? We have the lower chakra and the upper chakra. Everything has a beginning and an end, the primary source of everything. We have the right and left sides. We have prana, apana, udana and samana. Does it remind you of anything? A cross. That's it. This is how all these energies work in people who are transforming themselves internally, so it doesn't matter. But the religious part of the confessions, the Bible or the Quran, is knowledge humankind is given to embark on the path of spirituality. When people walk the path, they go further rather than reject it. They go further because it's a path. More and more doors open before them, Finally, they meet themselves. That would be very good. People who don't understand these things should attend church or the mosque. It's very desirable. Because if they don't even do this, where do they go? To the supermarket, as the last resort. This is why I treat my teachings with reverence. For me, this is cosmic knowledge. This is the sublime spiritual knowledge. It's the salvation in this life. What do you think about natural aging of the body? When you have the knowledge and practice yoga, follow a proper diet, control your thoughts, everything we've been talking about. Proper breathing and so on. But in spite of eating little and drinking a lot, you still gain weight. 
At a certain age, the cellular energy exchange is reduced, and this energy remains in the body as a liquid. This is how medicine explains it. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Do you have any advice in this regard? There is also the concept of genotype or programs, natal programs. They do exist, but I know that we can reprogram all this if we want to. It's possible. Our neurons and our spirituality will take care of it. If you say that you're following all these rules, it's important to know how you're doing it. For example, you understand what you should be doing, eating healthy and so forth. What? A whole list of things you should do. But there is a second level, how to do it. How to do it all correctly. How to correctly transform your consciousness. How to work correctly with your body. This is the next stage, but it's very close. This is why, given everything you've mentioned, it's important to check how you're doing it, how universally this system is working. Don't forget about the continuous influence of external forces. To put it simply, we experience a constant load in our body and consciousness. Are all your practices sufficient for to compensate for this? Or are you just beating the air? Do you see? Are you trying hard, but remaining stuck? This is also possible. I'm not talking about you in particular, I'm just answering your question. Is it sufficient? Do you have enough strength for the energy transformation? Plus, there is more subtle knowledge relating to internal alchemy, which is approached through external alchemy. Knowledge that enables you to transform at a subtler level. It includes work with the matrix body that is in direct contact with our physical body. We should approach it consciously. For instance, how do we lose the energy we are given from above that nourishes our body and sustains life? Is it worth losing? How do we keep it inside? For example, we have the inverted pose, Shirshasana, in yoga. Have you heard of it? What is it for? For the energy concentrated in Khechari Mudra. It's when one curls their tongue back. It's a special mudra that people practice in yoga. When one stands on one's head, they lower this energy to their head and accumulate it there. Thus, they change their life and slow down the aging processes. All this knowledge is available to us. I'd like to remind you that there is also external alchemy associated with different potions. There is the so-called pill of immortality. It can be either made internally or externally. All this exists. But you should approach it only after taking control over the external aspect. Maybe you can combine these practices if you are good at it and understand how it works. Genotypes or aging programs as such don't exist. But, I'm convinced that these programs wouldn't activate as quickly as they do now if not for the external impacts. 
Because 100, 150 or 200 years ago, the human lifespan was around 300 years. This information is not publicly shared, but there are sources. Longevity was very common, but now there are fewer and fewer people who live this long. This is because we don't believe in it. Our standard is low. We became dependent on food. In earlier times, people didn't eat like we do now. If we want to transform the way we live, we should change our attitude to ourselves. To understand how things work, rely on energy and prana to a greater extent to sustain our life. First of all, we should gain power from the prana life force, from the Holy Spirit, and only then obtain the building blocks for our body. We are what we eat. Regarding the liquids that stay in the body, as you mentioned, it has to do with lymph, with the intercellular space, with body transformation. My advice for you here is to perform the 42 Kriyas. The 42 Kriyas include energizing techniques. I talk about it at the seminar, you can get this information. We have many people here who have practiced for quite a long time and know how to perform them. It's not a secret. You can do these exercises. They are very effective. They are quite effective. One more thing, mental work. Your mental energy is very powerful, and if we use visualization techniques, which is very important, we will significantly alter our neural network. It means we can restructure our brain. Visualization techniques are related to our bioenergies. Using your example, you can meditate on the you that you'd like to see. It must be done regularly, every time. Then you'll trigger these programs. There are also key words and certain additional requirements. This knowledge is available. You can find it on the internet. Whether these methods will work and how well is another matter. This is questionable. In this respect, I rely on ancient teachings, on what we've already tried and what has been proven to be effective. Our goal is to awaken enough energy, awaken the energy received from above. It's in ourselves. Release this energy. It is necessary to prepare the body for the release of the energy, or prana. Practice regularly as part of your normal life, one doesn't exclude the other. By the way, I can briefly explain how to merge your spiritual and material lives. There is no material life. Whatever we have in life, you live here in Stavropol, it doesn't really matter where you live, but you live here. Here is everything that enables you to work on self-improvement. If you can't find time for spiritual practice, it doesn't mean that life gets in the way. There is no materiality. Everything that exists is spirituality. It manifests in the material form. We put our jobs at odds with our spiritual practice, but spiritual practice is also our job. If we can't get it up and running here, it'll be hard for us to establish a daily routine in spiritual practice. One doesn't exclude the other at all. Do you understand what I mean? There is no reason to complain. Everything you need to live your life from the creative point of view has already been given to you, already established. My personal advice to you is to learn about the 42 Kriyas. Look for this information, it's available. You can visit our site for it. Everything is possible. It's quite good and an effective technique. It's simple. 
It's really simple, but very effective. It's easy to master. Is it possible to follow a diet if you have thyroid insufficiency? If yes, what type of diet? I can't say whether one should or shouldn't follow a diet. It's an individual choice. There are people from whom certain recommendations won't work. So in this situation, I advise you to find the happy middle as much as possible. First of all, you need to identify the cause of these changes in your body. When you know the root cause, you can perform actions, or rather, get the results of your actions, consequences. I can't provide advice in this situation unless I meet and talk to the person. It's important to see them to provide individual recommendations. It's important to get the right balance in all aspects, and first of all, to engage in spiritual practice. Any changes in the body you call disease are associated with a change in your attitude at the spiritual level. They are associated with contradictions that arise between the mind personality and the soul that strives for light and development. Such contradictions, if they arise, cause disconnection and lack of unity. They cause certain changes in the body. Therefore, all changes in the body are related to things going on in your internal life that result in these diseases. It's not just about having a diet and following it. I have a problem. I want to let go of any control, but you recommend that we control everything. What should I do? My advice is to let go of any control. Let go of any control and live an uncontrollable life. You will start to control yourself in time. What's the right way to fast for a day? One day fasting is not really a fast. It's an unloading day as the body doesn't stop getting nutrients. It gets them from the cells that must be consumed, to put it bluntly. Fasting begins the moment when the body switches to endogenous nutrition, that is, internal nutrition. After about three to three and a half days, on the fourth day. So one day fasting is not really a fast, we just call it that. It's an unloading day, because the food we have eaten is still being absorbed. It's being absorbed at much more subtle levels. I advise the following. Try not to eat or drink anything for 24 hours from evening to the following evening, one day a week. You can drink if you want, but if you don't, it will be more effective. Start gently. For example, you can start fasting after having a light salad with no bread. Don't eat or drink for 24 hours. Breaking the fast should also be very gentle. Drink an infusion or water if you didn't drink any. Later on, you can eat some soft food. A salad or fruit. Salad is better. It's better to eat fruit before noon, ideally something very light. Don't eat more on that day and resume your normal diet the next day provided you follow the routine correctly. Do this three times a month, every week, and try to fast for three days in the fourth week.
You will see very good results. There are four weeks in a month. During the first three weeks, fast for 24 or 36 hours. Say from evening until 6 a.m. the next day. Or until the next evening, that's 24 hours. And fast for three days in the fourth week. Breaking the fast should be very gentle. First, drink an herbal infusion, then eat something light, like a salad without bread, and so on. You should have heavy, high-protein meals only on the second day after breaking the three-day fast. That would be right. But if you can't manage this, then fast for 24 hours at least once a week. It will be effective. And, of course, don't contaminate your body during the week. Because the more contaminated it is, the harder it is for an ordinary person to fast for 24 hours. These are simple recommendations. What plants reduce acidity and which ones are the most effective? Again, this is very individual. We should consider the state a person is in, the conditions of their mucosa, and so on. It requires a lot of time to explain. I think you can easily Google this information and find the foods that decrease acidity. If your acidity level is high or you experience heartburn, the simplest thing that can help you is calcium. Ordinary eggshells, correctly processed. We have information about this. I think we'll publish it soon. Increased acidity is related to one's personality type and improper mindset, as well as poor diet. These are all contributing factors. Ordinary calcium will help you decrease acidity. You can prepare it yourself. Grind eggshells and add lemon juice. It will decrease acidity and suppress heartburn. Calcium settles it, plus this substance is very beneficial. Again, we'll soon publish information on this topic. If it's already available, we'll share the links to it. Some people use soda. However, I don't recommend using the soda sold in supermarkets these days. It contains additives. It's not what you need. I heard about American soda that can be ordered in a pure form. It decreases acidity, it's beneficial and so on. I can't say much about it. I've only heard about it. If it's pure, you should try it and see how your body responds. It's individual. Always listen to your senses subtle and corporeal. If you trust this brand, you can use it at your own risk. But I can recommend something else. If you have a country house, you can gather blocks of oak, birch, and other pure wood. Burn them. The pure ashes contain different micronutrients, including calcium. They nourish our body very well and reduce acidity. You can eat these ashes. Shaivites traditionally used vibhuti. It's ash that is prepared in some special way. It contains a lot of micronutrients that are very good for us. Children hoover it up. It draws them as bees are drawn to honey. They eat this ash with a tablespoon. A lot of ash. And nothing happens to them. Because it's good for their health. Blood enriched with micronutrients will never cause any problems. So, obtain ashes from burning pure wood in a clean environment, for example, in the countryside. Try to do this. 
And in the spring, gather large amounts of common nettle if you can. It contains a lot of trace elements. Grind it a bit, dry, and then burn it. You can use this ash throughout the year. It will enrich your body with micronutrients. That's a food supplement for you right there. Nature offers us everything. I teach yoga. I teach hatha yoga. But for the past seven years, I've been practicing Sudarshan Kriya. It's a breathing practice. It was developed by Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. I often hear my yogi friends say that we should slow down our breath because it calms the mind. But in this practice, the final pranayama is about taking 20 slow, 40 moderate, and 40 fast breaths. And every time my mind whispers, you will die, 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 you will die, after such kriya, because you breathe too quickly in the morning. What is your opinion about this? On the one hand, I understand that I get rid of all the slags and toxins when I breathe like this, but on the other hand, the question troubles me. I can't fully devote myself to this practice because my mind won't calm down. So you struggle to take control over the art of life. Look, it's a tradition. The first true schools that appeared many years ago didn't use these methods. Very long and forced pranayamas that are taught nowadays imply holding one's breath for several minutes, which damages the surfactant coating the lungs. It puts a big load on the heart and all that. In this sense, I am against such practices. However, I did them for many years until I discovered Kriya, Babaji's Kriya. When I talk about Kriya, I talk about the methods taught by Babaji, an immortal Himalayan saint. Now there are many schools that call their methods Kriya, but they actually teach Raja Yoga. These Kriyas can be found in Raja Yoga and in Hatha Yoga as individual elements. If you perform Sudarshan Kriya consciously, it will be your Kriya. But when I'm talking about Kriya, I mean a specific method, a holy science, a super technique or manifested mind-body method that is directly linked with the line of Babaji, Lahiri Mahasaya. Yogananda also taught it. This is a totally different concept. Of course, when you breathe intensively, you have to compensate for it somehow. You burn energy, you settle your karma, but you shorten your life in this way. You don't shorten it considerably. Don't be afraid to take 40 breaths. People take many more breaths than 40 in a single day. They do their job, but you do other pranayamas later, right? Ones that help your body calm down. But I advocate another concept. Are you ready to change your approach and professionally engage in a practice that will make you more universal in this sense? I tried to be conscious. I am ready. Okay, then I'll explain to you and everybody else how this breathing technique, the one we call Babaji's Kriya, works. In general terms. You can find more information in Yogananda's books where it's described in greater detail. Have you heard about the release of carbon? Yes. 
When you consciously inhale while concentrating on special zones and centers, and consciously exhale, one breath lasts one minute or half a minute. So the basic principle is two breaths per minute. This balanced and conscious breathing significantly changes our brain. It helps to release carbon and a lot of unwanted elements. Over time, this breathing will make your heart beat quieter. Why? Because when you breathe like this, there is no venous blood in your body. You have only arterial blood, and it's backed by powerful spiritual energy. Due to the elimination of toxins and slag, as long as you follow a healthy diet and energize your body, over time, the blood composition will change. Am I making myself clear? I'm sorry, is it called Padmasana Pranayama? No, not that. We call it Kriya. But these are very similar techniques. Yes, but what's important is the inner work. I can't talk about it now because we have gathered here for another reason. However, I'll summarize. When your breath is slow and balanced, you grow calm. But the inner work significantly alters your body. It awakens a powerful magnetism. This energy spins so as to change the blood composition. When your blood is changed, your body is cleansed. It's all very closely connected, so I recommend approaching this matter in this way. I recommend this for everyone. In my time, I practiced a breathing technique where one inhale lasted for 36 seconds and one exhale lasted for 72 seconds. I breathed like that for about an hour. It was a very heavy load on the body, on the heart, on the mind, and on the personality. Like a military campaign, or even worse. I practiced it for many years. But then I gave it up. I gently set it aside. I had slowed down my breathing incredibly. It was a very heavy load, yes, but it produced results. But it was a load on the body, the heart, and lungs. Now the load is different, but the effect is tremendous. What's your goal in performing these Kriyas? To enter a meditative state, right? But you can do it by simply holding your eyes in the right position. That's all you need. It requires knowledge. I can share this knowledge, but it's up to you to master it. When you hold your eyes in the correct position and concentrate your attention on certain zones, your breathing can immediately stop. That's how it is. Of course, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar is a very good master. He is an enlightened master and all of us respect him. But his teaching was borrowed from Raja Yoga. Thank you. You gave a clear answer. I haven't really answered yet, but some things have become more clear because it requires… I hear you. Good. I'm glad to hear it.